You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> so I'd like to know if I was married to a horror piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. Thank you to the first responders, healthcare workers, police, and firefighters. Thank you to the bus drivers, truckers, those keeping our grocery stores open, and everyone who goes above and beyond for others. Thank you for being there when it matters. These are tough times for all of us, but we'll make it through, and it's all because of you standing together, weathering the storm. It's what Americans do best, and it's how we've persevered over previously challenging moments in history. At Bradshaw and Bryant, we're taking all possible steps to protect our clients and employees, and we remain available to you if you think that you might need an attorney, give us a call. We'll be here to answer your questions and lead you down the right path. Together, we'll get through this. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope that you're never injured in a collision. But if you are, don't sign anything till you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Dave Fulton on the program. This is a throwback. Dave Fulton, comedian, and we had a great call-in from the one and only Mike from Blaine. Next on the Best of... Dave Fulton's here, and he's a good friend of Tom Rhodes. And we were just talking about some, you know, past stuff. When I guess when you've been doing a show for 29 years, you're going to run across everybody uh, several times in your life. And uh, about a year and a half ago, Tom was on the show, and Tom and I didn't get along all that well, and all the rest of it. And Dave and Tom talked about that in London. But then Dave was in. Uh, excuse me, Tom was in about three weeks ago, and it was a terrific time. He was a very nice man, and we, we got along extremely well. Uh, so it's just how life works. Yeah. You know, it's just how life works. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody pisses off everybody. So, Well, there's that great not line now from Out of the Furnace, that new uh, movie with Woody Harrelson. And, Saw that. Uh, On the uh, plane. Amazing film. I will tell you how many people called me up when Woody Harrelson's walking out of the bar. This guy's the first one who told me about it. He said, I saw you in a movie. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, Woody Harrelson played you in a movie. Christian Bale's walking into a bar. Woody Harrelson's walking out. Christian Bale says, you got a problem with me? And Woody Harrelson says, i got a problem with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what the Tom Rhodes deal was. I could have a problem with everybody. Here's the crazy thing about... How does this work? What, you, just what didn't, you just did suck on it now. Okay. Now the... Um, well... That's, some nic- that's got some nicotine in it, too, man. So Tom uh, emails me after his appearance. <laughs> you want to get a little high off this? <laughs> We're going to be vaping some dope here in a second. 
Um, anyway, he wanted he had you know he travels around the world with his handicam, and he's been trying to push on cable television uh, mm-hmm. maybe a startup show. He talked about that on the air. He's been trying that for a long yeah. time. And yeah. I said, Man, you know, I have my backgrounds in television for a bunch of years. So anyway, I said, give it to me, give me, send me the stuff, and then I will uh, see if I can get it to a real uh, production house, and see what you can do, and whether you get a crew to travel with you instead of shooting it on a handicam because a handicam is not going to make it on national television. What's, what's he using for a, uh, a camera? Do you know? It's no, it's like, just a handicap. Just, just so he's not even got. He no, he doesn't have anybody. He's shooting it all basically, and when he when he wants to be on camera, he hands it to a friend, and they shoot it. So it's 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 not really all that professional. Um, and got, like, all it needs is or nothing. no. It, it needs to step up a little bit. <laughs> so he doesn't. So he wants the D fifty Mark III. So anyway, uh, he sends this thing to me. Uh, he says, "Here's what I've shot." And when he was in Malaysia, mm-hmm. he says, this is the trailer from the Malaysia pilot that I told you about. The next week, oh. the next week, the Malaysian airliner goes missing. Yeah. And I go back and look at this email. I went, does this fucker actually have the story here behind this Malaysian pilot? Because remember, everybody yeah. was saying yeah, the pilot absolutely. was responsible for taking this pilot. And I went, this guy is like way inside He's scary. Tom also. Yeah. Tom Rhodes also. Mister Inside in Malaysia. <laughs> it was weird about that. Is did you want something stronger than water? No, I'm good, man. Uh, I was in the. Um, you know, obviously, I live in London, and a buddy of mine who works for Boeing can't mention his name, obviously. And uh, so we're hanging out. We grew up together, and, and uh, we hang out all day Friday, and I do my shows, and he's leaving the next day on Saturday. So, and this shit breaks down with the uh, the Malaysian thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, before he flies out, I. I I call him. I said, "Look, I would text you, but I, obviously you don't want any kind of physical record of this." And uh, his his baby was the triple seven. You know that that was the thing oh, that yeah, he kind of yeah. shepherded all the way through. You know to conception. And I said, "So what's your take on this?" And he goes, "Man, I don't want it to sound bad, but God, I hope it was a terrorist." <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get, I get yeah. it. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Uh, that's a, yeah. Well, there's still nothing, huh? They're nope. never gonna find no. that thing. No. I don't know. Well, the upsides, they're going to figure out what the bottom of that part of the ocean looks like. Yeah, you got that right. They'll be able to finally map that. Because of know? James Cameron, too. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's yeah. only James Cameron's the only one who has the technology to look there. You know, that's kind of I'm, bullshit see, because for... it's not Cameron. It's Bob Baldwin. True. Bob Baldwin well, has yes, the technology. But, Cameron but, piggybacked yeah, on the Titanic Bald- for yeah. Bob Baldwin's work. Yeah. Well, Who the I, I, fuck is Bob Baldwin? See, that's the difference right see, there. See, that's, that's the, the pro- difference. That is the problem it because is, he's the guy the who invented the task. That's like saying, "Who in the fuck's Jacques Cousteau?" Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he's the guy who developed all of the submersibles mm-hmm. with all of the abilities to take the picture. The Cameron <clears throat> caught on to and said, "Let's do the Titanic." Right. Yeah. Because no. Baldwin was the one who found the Titanic and took all of those original pictures. Well, yeah. also, I can't help to think that the um, you know they're getting all excited, going, "Oh, we found debris, found debris," and then they go to the close up and they pull it out. And it's like a cooler that fell off somebody's boat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Geraldo exactly. Rivera's going, oh, yeah, they found it. Oh, my God, I had that beer in that. I've been oh. looking for that since the Al Capone Coca-Cola oh, bottle. Yeah. I think uh, it was a Pepsi bottle, isn't it? I'm not yeah, sure. No, he shot it up with a Tommy gun. How Jeez. about the fact that they, find, they, they think they found the Santa Maria off the coast of Haiti? They oh, think, yeah. They think they found it. The very next day it was looted. Really? True story. Right. The very next day, it was looted. The site was looted. It's like, Jesus Christ. I want to get to something early here, because you brought this up yesterday. Not this story, but something you you object to on the KQ Morning Show. Dave and I were talking yesterday. Dave Fulton with us. He's at Acme tonight and tomorrow night. Um, 
Remember you said yesterday morning you you don't like it and I don't like it when people just say Bush or Obama. Remember we talked yeah. about that yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Do you see what the police commissioner in New Hampshire called President Obama? No. A nigger. Oh, God. In a restaurant. Uh. In a restaurant, the police commissioner of Wolfsboro, New Hampshire, called him the big N. And then they asked him if he would apologize. He said, no, no, I called him a nigger, but I'm not going to apologize. At a public, uh, at a public meeting. At a public meeting, yes. he calls him it again. Now, we were just talking about yesterday about the disrespect of not referring to him as President Obama in the first place. Yeah. This Obama, this Bush, this Biden. Yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah. Now, this guy takes it all the way down the road and calls him the big N. And again, I had to tell you that story the way he said it. Otherwise, it has no impact. Mm, mm. He's, oh, he called him the big N. Oh, that, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. It's but, like a Louis C.K. says, you know, I hear, have you heard this bit? You know, I hate the N-word. Mm-hmm. He goes, not the word nigger. Just people who say the N-word because mm-hmm. now I'm thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I'm totally down with that. And then it's like when I was in I was in China, I was doing shows in China in, uh, in January, and um, I hooked up with some people that I, I friends of my friends of friends, and one of them is from Idaho, and he speaks fluent uh, Mandarin and Cantonese. Mm-hmm. So we're buying bootleg stuff. I mean, you can they're selling the Star Wars movie they're shooting right now. That's how good they are at bootlegging. <laughs> you can actually see the one they're shooting in, in Shepherd and Pinewood Studios. I'm like, oh, I wonder how this ended. Um, obviously, I didn't get that casting I went out for. But the uh, um, so anyway, yeah, we're doing this stuff, and he, and and he loves the fact that you know I asked him, I said, do the Chinese, you know, do they speak smack in front of you know and behind our back? And he's like, no, they do it right in, in front of your face. So we'll sit there and look at you, talk to you in Chinese, and call you fat and stupid and lazy. <laughs> And you just sit there and go, how much is this fake Louis Vuitton handbag? And um, so I was like, well, it must be great because yeah, this guy looked like Buddy Holly. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, they don't know I speak Chinese. So I go to these big international meetings, and we'd be sitting there right. having a break during the meeting. And the two Chinese corporate execs are going, I, I th- in Chinese, we'd be going, I thought that wouldn't be fatter. Me too. <laughs> you know? That woman's not very attractive. And then one time he says, he kind of went, <clears throat> kind of laughed. And I went, oh, my God. In Chinese, said, I think that one can understand us. <laughs> And the other one goes, are you sure? And he goes, I don't know. Say something. Uh, can you understand us? And, and the whole time, you, you know, he's like, no, he didn't respond. Okay, keep talking, you know? So while we were, we were talking, we were you know, buying, I, I got the a complete Rosetta Stone for uh, French for like $13, mm-hmm. you right. know? And it's the exact same one. I think what happened is a triad went into the factory after they closed down and printed their own. So right. the, uh, why wouldn't you? So, um, and he's sitting there pointing to stuff. And uh, and I and he's like oh blah 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 but and he's and he's pointing and he's saying the word which sounds to me like nigga, and I went I'm sorry what was that and he was like pointing to shoot it no nigga no nigga no nigga and I'm like well, dude that sounded like you know he was like what I'm like dude it sounds like fucking nigga you know and he goes I go what are you saying what is that word and he goes oxy it's, it's, I guess in slang if you say it fast enough it sounds like that and I go well, what's the what's the translation of the word and he goes that. You know, <laughs> yeah. So suddenly, because your ears are perked to oh, that, yeah. everywhere I go, I hear is like nigga, 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 nigga. And I thought, <laughs> what did it be like as a black guy coming out to China, going, what did that, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and he says it twice. He's like, it was one of those for me, or something, you know. So I told a friend of mine about it. He goes, oh, that's really funny. You should do that on stage. I said, no, I, I don't feel comfortable doing it. Because to me, it's less about a cultural difference and stuff, which is a nice antidote to tell around a table. And, 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 and that's cool. But otherwise, it sounds like I'm writing a bit with the excuse of saying yeah. nigger on stage, yeah. you know, right. sure. which is which is crap. And, yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I've already been earmarked as a racist enough coming from North Idaho. The least I can worry about is having more of that shit come creeping up on me. You know, especially and living in London, I'm so used to seeing multicultural societies. I get into a place where there's nothing but white people. I'm thinking, oh man, I don't like this. You know, <laughs> you know I'm waiting for at least somebody to just start rattling off some foreign language, or at least hear the the hot Russian chick with the cold sore yelling at me on the train or some shit like that. So, especially after being in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and, and Qatar. And seeing all the uh, the locals, the Emiratis driving really high end, like you know, Lamborghinis, Mercedes, and Ferraris, and they're driving about three miles an hour down the Jamira Beach, just kind of hoping that some white chick will jump into their fucking gull wing doors and give them a hand job before they get back to their assigned wife. You know, so they're an assigned wife. Yes, well, <laughs> yeah, that's a different deal. Man. I, I think we've talked before about the fact that I love London. I think it's the most civilized place I've ever been. But the only sad thing is there are a lot of goddamn homeless people there, which kind of upset me. You know, mm. we stayed we stayed in uh, – um, oh, Christ, where would we stay, Andy? Well, you'd have more here, but they freeze. Yeah, well, no, it's true. No, you're, and I think that's part of it because I was in Sacramento and I was like, God damn, they got a lot of homeless people here. Mm-hmm. But again, it doesn't – it gets cold there, but not like this. Yeah. So you're probably right about that, you know. Yeah, you, don't, I, you don't find many homeless people up in, uh, in Reykjavik, Iceland. No, 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 not many up there. Yeah, I got a homeless man got mad at me about oh god, year year and a half ago, something like that. Because I don't know, I know it's hard to believe, Dave, but I was in a horseshit mood that day, <laughs> and I'm driving along. It's probably on a calendar somewhere. <laughs> somebody wrote it down. Yeah. He had a sign, and this guy was like 25, 26, 27 years old, and he had a sign held up that said, "Things aren't going so good." So I pulled up and I rolled down my window. So he thought I was going to give him some money. And when he came over the car, I said, it's well. Rolled up my window and drove away. <laughs> but correcting his English was the right thing to do. Things aren't going so well. Probably. Might help him in the job interview. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was standing on the corner out by the uh, <laughs> orchestra hall, crossing the street, getting ready to go to work on TV. And the uh, guy came up to me, uh, a person posing as a homeless person or a homeless person. Uh, said, uh, man, can I hold a dollar? And I said, uh, I said, well, I might be able to. Uh, he went, you're Don Shelby, man. And I said, yes, I am. He said, I watch you on television all the time. I said, you have a television set? He said, yeah, man. I said, go sell that motherfucker for a dollar. <laughs> for a dollar. Yeah, don't tell people you watch him on television when you're trying to get some money off him. It's not a good idea. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was in London one time, and this guy's like, you know, we'll take anything, food or whatever. And, uh, and a buddy of mine's with me, and I go, come on, we can help this guy out. And he's like, really? So we walk up the road to the stall and, and get a, a sausage and a roll. And the guy's kind of looking at us, and I, I pay five quid and you know, get the change back and turn around, just give him the change. <laughs> My friend goes, you didn't even buy him a meal? I'm like, no, nah, just give him change. He'll be all right. <laughs> He's good. He's good. He's good. Everything's fine. Uh, uh. Listen to the Love Happy Hour with Kaylin Rosenberg, the Love Architect author, celebrity matchmaker and renowned relationship expert, along with producer Kelly Guest, live every Friday at lovehappyhour.com, on demand on iTunes, or, of course, on YouTube. The Love Happy Hour Weekly on the Tom Bernard Network. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was paying attention to the phone. Oh, that's okay. They can. It's Michael Bryant will understand. He doesn't care. 
No. Well, he'd like to hear his commercials. <laughs> we are here today with Michael Bryan from Bradshaw. And Brian, why is uh, your name second, by the way? I always just, wanted to ask you. It that. was Bradshaw's office when I started there. And so it was his office. And uh, enough people know it in the St. Cloud area and around the state that mm-hmm. that's the name. How do you know you're, you're picking the right lawyer? Well, I, I think you ask the questions. You ask, you know, how many cases they've done like this, how many cases they've tried. You know, it's something I like doing. I like trying cases, and I think that makes a difference. Are there lawyers that don't like to try oh, cases? Oh, sure. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've met lawyers who, you know, who are sitting there saying, you know, I'm never going to try a case after I turn 50, or I don't like going into court. Uh, you know, I don't like speaking in, in public. I, I don't really know how that works. Did you write the jingle? I did not. And I didn't want a jingle to begin with. I, I thought jingles were dumb. And um, they convinced me to get a jingle, and that was eight years ago. And People know it. It's hey, worked unbelievable. It. You know, it's something about music that people remember. No, I think you're absolutely right. Seeking justice for the injured. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Brad, John, Brian. Just go to minnesotapersonalinjury.com. It's com from the RentersWarehouse.com studio. Ralph Basham has a question for Dave Fulton. You know, Dave, you know, a lot of the com- uh, comedians that have come in have said that they've done international kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 Ari that was here yesterday, Ari Shafir was here yesterday. He said he was going to do a tour in, in China and things like that. Right. Now, how do you think that uh, plays with regards to what we're exporting, our culture being exported? Do you think that's a good thing? Because it's kind of a uh, – stand-up can be kind of a raw medium. Mm-hmm. And is that a good thing for America? I think it's good. But I think it's good. No, I um, I mean I've been – I've done shows in 24 different countries now, maybe 25. Um, I mean Tom – Tom's got Korea. I haven't got Korea yet, you know. Right, but I've right. got Kazakhstan and India, and he doesn't have those, you yeah. know. So you know, it's one of those things. And the, um, <laughs> but as far as like, and also I was the first American to do stand-up comedy in, in mainland China in 1998. Um, so it's what's happened. What I've seen happen over the course of you know 14, 15 years, 16 years is um, <clears throat> you go to some places and they're like the expats show up, expatriates mainly you know English, some Canadians, some you know Brits, some Aussies. And uh, and it becomes one of those things that reminds him of home, so that's what shows up. So you don't, right. you're not necessarily doing it toward local people. When Ari goes to China, he's not going to be good doing it right. to Chinese unless they're Western educated Chinese. But they're they're all going to be expats, so it's not like he's going to be influencing you know the local culture and what have you. Um, but yet you do go to places like India, you know, and and Kazakhstan and and um, you know Amsterdam. When I do shows in Amsterdam, most of the people there are, are local or indigenous, and and same with you know Norway. And they've they've developed over the last ten years their own stand up scene. There's a big stand up scene growing in India right now. It's really amazing, and in Norway, <clears throat> and in Amsterdam, and um, and it's all in their you know native tongue. And you you listen to it, and you ask for some translations, and you're like, well, he's talking about the guy because he is fat and from the north, and that is funny. And you're like, okay, you know, you're still evolving. So it's not necessarily us personally bringing the idea stand up. It's the concept of. You know, stand-up can be done in any country in any language and still brought across. And I still believe it's the last bastion of freedom of speech. And so yeah, if you, if you no bring doubt. that apro- across as well. But it cracks me up that there's a lot of a lot of comics in the last five, seven years who are going, oh, yeah, man, I'm international. And you're like, well, where do you play besides Canada? You're like, yeah, I did a couple of shots in, in England and then, and then one in, in here. And you're like, cool, man, great, fantastic. You should think about South Africa. You should think about the Middle East. You should think about India. You should think about, you know, there's shows in, in, in uh, Italy and France. And, and there's just so much out there that you can tap into. And there's fil- and there's there's comedy festivals all over the fucking world that you can, you know, go into. I mean, just just because you work the U.S. and Australia 
you know, fantastic. You're now the big international comic, but you, there's more out there than that. You said that uh, the, maybe the last bastion of freedom of speech is uh, stand-up comedy. Do you yeah. think that is uh, in the native kind of uh, stand-up comedy as well? So the, the Indian comics, do they, do they have freedom of speech? Oh, yeah. They do? <coughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty – it's weird. When you do shows in uh, – I mean, I've been in Mumbai three times and done shows. And uh, when you do shows there, and you know, you can actually – Almost what might be deemed, you know, in England as racist, you know, making fun of the locals. And because I can't do any accents, and if I try to, I sound incredibly racist. You know, I called up my bank the other day. Said, We're doing very friendly. You know, I, it sounds ridiculous. And um, but you know, if you start talking about, oh uh, yeah, the you know the uh, the Sikhs are like this, and they're alcoholics, blah, blah, and they're like, ah, you know. And when you land, I mean, the first time I was making jokes about the fact, first I landed in in Mumbai, which obviously is just tons and tons of people, and they don't give a shit where they live. I said it was funny because, true story, the, as soon as the plane touched down on the runway, everybody, all the Indians were up, out of their seats, didn't wait for the seatbelt light, pulling their shit out of their the overheads, and the audience laughing. And I said, the only reason I can figure that out is they, they did that, looked out the window and go, hey, you're going by my house. It's right there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I have a question, and then we have a caller. My question is, is that the first e-cigar you've ever had? Yes. You're the first person I know that I observed this that figured out it's okay to put the cigar down with the flame on top of something that could light. Everybody yeah. else goes, well, I've got to put it like that. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, it's funny because i got some Romeo and Juliettas in, in, in my bag, and yeah. I was going to break one out today. And then I show up here, and I'm like, yeah, I get to save that for another day, don't I? There's, like I said, there's a, this is high nicotine. It will give you a buzz. There's no doubt about that. I thought you had the zero nicotine. I, the, those are the uh, dark wrapper. Ah. Uh, yeah. What are you thoughts? trying to say, man? Yeah, you racist bastard, yeah. dark rapper. <laughs> yeah. um, who's our caller? Our caller is Mike from Blaine. Mike from Blaine. Why didn't you call when we were talking about the marijuana laws, you prick? <laughs> Come on, God. <laughs> Mike uh, calls in quite often. Oh, hey, Mike. Does great research. And occasionally calls in high. Yeah, he he could you could hear him hitting the bong while he's calling. Wow, wow! <laughs> hello, hello, Ripley. You're not going to believe this one. <laughs> Change the water in that thing, Mike. <laughs> All right, Ralph. I'll take your medical advice on that one. Oh, so you got glaucoma? Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, how you doing today? Yeah. All right. All right. So I was just uh, wondering to. Ask you a couple questions if that'd be all right with you. He is talking to me, right? Okay. He is talking. Yeah, all right, hey, yo, go ahead, man. Shoot. All right. So, uh, like, firstly, I'd just like to ask if you've ever been to France. Yeah, I was in France uh, twice this year. Matter of fact, I was just there uh, about two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, I was in Chamonix, France, uh, snowboarding down the Cosmic Couloir. Look that one up, fucking internet boy. <laughs> 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 How did Dave have Mike nailed like that? Oh, he, Dave's got That's him nailed. Unbelievable. You know, you, do you do a podcast? No, I don't. You I really do everybody should. else's. You know what? I got the. You really uh, should. I got this really great recorder. It's I don't know who makes it. It's a. It's pretty cool. It's got this directional thing. It's all set up. Uh, buddy of mine, Paul McCrow, has one. And he says, oh, I should do a podcast. Do a podcast. So I buy this thing, you know, get a kick-ass deal out of it in the U.S., bring mm-hmm. it back to the U.K. I tell my friends, yeah, I got this thing. I think I'm going to do a podcast. And all my comedy friends started teasing me, ooh, podcast, how original. Look at you trying to do a podcast. And I've been kind of letting it go. And I didn't. Oh, you should. Because unfortunately <clears throat> with me, usually the uh, uh, the first reaction I come up with stuff is, is the worst. 
Um, I got in trouble. I've, I, I, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a writer, producer, and a, a writer, director. Sorry, and um, and I was I did a series of shorts. I'm doing six shorts that will be linked as a feature called Bad Times. And uh, I got into it with my executive producer online on, on email, and he insulted me. <clears throat> so I just me hit reply, and I'm like, blah blah blah. This okay, fine. By the way, you compare me to that guy again. I'll knock your fucking teeth out. And, you know, I've always been by you the whole way. And my wife goes, you didn't really send that, did you? And I'm like, yeah, fuck him. And she's like, no, oh, God. And now he doesn't want to work with me, which is actually a blessing. But, uh, yeah, so I, I thought, well, I'll let it go with the hold on on the podcast a little bit. But just this year, after doing the Glasgow Comedy Festival and talking to some other friends of mine, and I've been doing more acting lately, which is, uh, I don't know why, uh, somebody said, you should do one. You should do one. We just initially talked to the crowd itself. Yep. Because I have enough stories to spread around because I've been on the planet long enough, you know, to make shit up if I can't. And then, so I thought, well, I'll just do that and just add to it. Because you listen to Bill Burr's, and Bill's just, you know, it's an hour of just his opinion and stuff thrown it's in. It's huge, too. Yeah, and it's huge. But yeah. Bill's amazing. I mean, he is, absolutely. I worked with Bill in, in Australia, and I never met him before. <clears throat> and after being there with four days, I was like, son of a bitch, yeah, man. He's you amazing. Know? He he's great. Amazing. And he's a great guy, you know. Mm-hmm. He really is. He's top notch. So I thought, well, why not? I mean, because um, I don't know anybody out there, you know, climbing or uh, who's a comic, who's a rock climber, ice climber, snowboarder, you know, shoots guns, writes screenplays, you right. know, all this other kind of stuff. Oh, there so, you go. That's what I'm saying. So that, that, my problem is that's just the first hour. Then yeah. I gotta, I gotta come then up. Then you and I need to talk. Yeah. Because everything you just named is what I do in my hobbies. Really, you, you yeah. snowboard and shoot guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> rock climb and ice climb. Oh really? Yeah, oh, he does yeah. all of that. Yeah, I've been down with that for like thirty six years. That's right? cool. Yeah, uh, I was go- I was supposed to do the North Face of the Eiger uh, a couple years ago, but my partner got throat cancer. He's better now, so we're thinking about maybe doing it next year. Cool. And you recovered uh, from throat cancer. That's pretty good. Yeah, he had uh, it was HPV from bad pussy. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> well, who Mike liked that one? Yeah, Mike yeah. the caller loved that. That, that, that one. That's also something I have in common. You have a bad, bad pussy? Bad pussy. <laughs> yes. You and Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah, you and Michael Douglas. That's right, Michael Douglas. He claimed the same thing. Yeah, but you he ever... didn't get it from Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> no, he, that's what he no. said. Yeah, no, no, because right. it takes like 20 years to kind of get into that. So what you do is you look backwards on Mike's, you know, Michael Douglas's, uh, uh, see what, you know, who he was telling box on 20, 25 years ago, and just, you know, put it on that chick. So, um, yeah, the, the point is get down there, and if you, if you give it a lick and you feel something that's like a speed bump, Maybe it's time to brush your teeth and get the get the listerine out. Yeah, yeah. Might it might have been uh, Matt Damon? No, well, no, that would have been yeah, uh, a different deal. You, you guys ever remember a comedy named Bobby Gaylor at all? Oh, absolutely, love Bobby Gaylor. I, yeah, when he was a dirty comic, he used to have this great line about. Um, <clears throat> Uh, he, he dating tip. I was working with him in Maui, Hawaii. This is fucking year in the nineties or you know early nineties. He's in Maui, Hawaii, and he closes the set. And he goes, "There's a dating tip for you guys. Uh, I always bring a little bottle of hydrogen peroxide. Have you heard this bit? No. Oh my god! I'm sitting. I'm standing in the back with the uh, uh, the owner, and he goes, I, "I get to that at first date with that girl, and I get to that point, and I go, I go, look, this is what's gonna happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna dump this in your pussy. If it fe- if it fizzes, you're blowing me." <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Bobby, man. Mike, are you going to recover? I think I'll recover. Okay. Well, you got another. You have another question. Yeah, another question, Mike. Um. Yeah, this is kind of like about your international comedy stuff. Yeah. Is uh, are hecklers different, like internationally, or are they kind of all the same? No, no, they are. I mean, the um, I've been heckled in foreign languages. I had a a guy in Amsterdam years ago heckle me, and you know, he he is kind of shit like that. 
And I just treated it like he was giving me sports co- scores. I'm like, really? Mariners took the league? I can't believe that. <laughs> okay. well, after they traded Ichiro, I thought for sure they would let him go. <laughs> And then he said it again, and I'm like, well, I don't think the Seahawks have a chance, but, you know, that kind of... <laughs> and he was just looking heckle? at me like, no, you, you know... I'm, you know Why I'm would you heckle like, someone in a language they don't understand? To try to make themselves look better to the people who can understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know, and then with the English, what's the big, the major difference between getting heckled in, uh, in the U.S. and heckled in, in, in the U.K. is the people in the U.K. will heckle you just to see what you're made of. You know, it's kind of like, you know, boom, and you slam them, and they'll go, that was good. Yeah, that was good. But it, it, Americans will have to do if they have a personal issue with what you're talking about. You know, oh, I don't I think you're wrong. And you're right, like, no, right. It's, it's, and then you stand back and you point to the word comedy behind you. Hey, you know, this <laughs> no, is where you get your information for fuck's sake. I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, there's enough comics out there on conspiracy theories that drive me nuts. And as you know, conspiracy theorists, you know, conspiracy theories will always find fertile ground in the weak minded. And, and, you know, and I hear friends of mine going, you know, they fake the moon landing. That's great. I'm leaving you now. <laughs> Why don't you get back to your David Icke book where everybody's a lizard under the skin, you fucking weak ass. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> oh. That is an amazing piece of information, actually. Yeah. They're all lizards. Well, I think President Bush was supposed to be a lizard person. Oh, he? pretty much everyone in power is yeah. supposed oh, to be Oh, is everybody in power? It's, it's the yeah. oligarchy? The well, oligarchs? yeah, that's they're why all, they're uh, in power is because they came from lizard space. People? And, yeah, I don't know. Works for me. Mike, you got something else? Works for me. Well, uh, we'll just call it there, I guess. I guess. He answered the questions great that I wanted to answer. So You know what's happening is he wants something. He wants to ask me another question, but he's looking across the room with his potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> those are looking good. Oh, yeah. right. That's another realize. question, but those are crunchy and salty. Oh, yeah. I got to go. <laughs> I just realized that because of the deer hunter, the only language I could understand I'm being heckled in was in but being like Vietnam, if it's a DD to my own motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mao, Didi Mao, Didi Mao, Didi Mao. my nephew on my sister's side. Uh, my sister married an Hawaiian guy, uh, so their kids are what they call half a haulies, mm-hmm. you know, half white. And uh, my long- youngest nephew Logan, he's a great kid. He, uh, so I'm talking to my sister one day on Skype, and he's at, she's over at his place, and I'm like, hey Logan, he's like, hey, how you doing? he's all, oh, and she's like, this is Logan's girlfriend. I'm like, hey, how you doing? She's like, she's from Vietnam, and because I'm a comic and a dick. <laughs> I went, Diddy Mao! Diddy Mao! See? Yeah. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. I was born in the Dublin street where the loyal drums did beat and the loving English beat they grunt all over us and every single night that my father came home tight eaten by the neighbors outside of this hall. That was Dave Fulton on the best of with a call from Mike from Blaine. Coming up next, we had one of the best long form interviews that we've had on the podcast, and it also features another call from Mike from Blaine with creator of Dexter Clyde Phillips. Next on the best of. Clyde Phillips, how are you, sir? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. We're just talking. We, we had a. There's a coincidence. There's a woman that I work with at a, on morning radio at KQRS in Minneapolis that believes everything happens in threes. Have you ever heard of that before? Of course, sure. So you've heard of that too. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then one excuse, one not excuse, excuse me, but one example she used was. 
that this year we lost Vince Flynn, Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy. and yeah. Elmore Leonard. Right. And even though Elmore Leonard's not, Vince and Tom Clancy actually were very, very close in the, the style. Well, not the style, but the, the, the topics they wrote about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Elmore just wrote about everything, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he would, he did westerns and he did everything. But three great writers. So we were just talking about sump pumps and grinder pumps and all this stuff <laughs> because I did, I did a show uh, at the Varsity Theater on Friday night with Adam Carolla. Oh, yeah. And, and we came home. And the next morning, sometime during the night, our grinder pump flooded our basement. And then at the exact same time, you know Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew Pinsky? Yeah, of course, Drew Pinsky, sure. Right. Dr. Drew, Susan Pinsky tweeted me that her basement had flooded at the exact same time. So we're looking for other people whose basements flooded on Saturday morning, <laughs> sometime between 1 a.m. And, and about 11. Well, you'll be, you'll be happy to know, or maybe not, that mine flooded two weeks ago. Is that uh, kidding? You're kidding. Because, and I had just I had put in a sump pump last summer, and it failed. Really? You weren't uh, on the Adam Carolla show, were you? <laughs> yeah, you were no, talking. But I have been on a panel. I did a Charlie roasting with with Adam Carolla a couple of years ago. Well, see, there well, you there go. There is a tie-in. Close yep, enough. Adam Carolla causes floods. Uh-oh. It was a char- is a Charlie roasting with with Adam. It it was um, at the what was it called? It was CBS had their big convention. Um, not their convention, the big retreat, you know, in, in Arizona where they spend all this incredible money that they won't spend on their shows, but they spend it on their conventions. And, and I was invited to be, uh, to be on a panel that Charlie Rose moderated and Adam Carolla and Anthony Zyker were the other two people, oh, the other yeah. two people, Anthony Zyker from CSI. And we were just talking about, you know, I was doing Dexter at the time and had a new book coming out and, and Charlie, who's, you know, Obviously, the best interviewer in the world. No offense. Um, uh, it was kind of a free-ranging thing, and Adam Carolla was the only performer on the stage, so we couldn't get a word in edgewise. Well, yeah, that would if yeah if Adam's on stage, you're not going to get a word yeah, forget in. Forget it. I know that's true. Yeah. And just he's a great host. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. Anthony Zyker is a very interesting guy because mm-hmm. he was wasn't he driving a shuttle at Vegas? Well, I don't know. I don't know his. I don't know his story. I believe that that Anthony Zyker was driving a shuttle uh, from the airport to hotels when he came up with the idea and wrote the very first CSI. That's amazing. Well, that hurt, certainly hasn't hurt him. Andy, would you look that up? I think that's, I think that's true. Anthony, by the way, and I don't mean this in a negative way, mm-hmm. is arrogant as hell. <laughs> Do you know what? I sat next to him. I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> you know, we all have our humble beginning stories. I grew up uh, in the worst part of Boston. Oh, you did? Possibly in Dorchester. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, in, you know, in the roughest neighborhood possible. With, with, and here I am, you know, being able to do what I do. I feel very, very fortunate. Glad I got to tell you, I love the fact that in Boston, you can be the wrong type of Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. No, you're a. You're, I'm sorry if you're a townie. I'm a Southie. I hate you. That's right. Or if you're in the, from the wrong parish. That's right. If you're from the, that's exactly right. If you're from the wrong parish, I don't want. I won't even talk to you. I got the story here. If you're still interested, I would love to hear it. Uh, in the some talk, he said that he was working as a tram driver in Los Angeles when he came up with the idea for the series. He said he was about to go play basketball with some friends when his wife asked him to stay in and watch the new detectives on the Discovery Channel. And that's when he wrote his pilot. So he was driving a tram or a in Los Angeles, yeah. It was in Los Angeles. It wasn't in Vegas. Apparently not. 
But he went to school in Vegas, so that's probably what you're thinking Oh, that's of. what you're making the connection. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay, that's yeah. why. Okay. okay, we got it. Jesus, Clyde, I'm looking at the list of your awards, and aren't you a... You're a big... Sh- you should be as arrogant as Anthony Zyker. <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> okay. It's just not in my bones, and uh, you know the other reason. That's not your deal. I do want to ask you one more Boston question that nobody's sure. ever been able to answer for me. Does it have to do with the Red Sox? No, it does okay. not. So I just want to get a plug-in for the Sox. Okay, okay well, you stole David Ortiz from us yet. I'm never talking to you again, Clyde. That's right. That's right. You stole Big Papa. Um, big Pop, Big Poppy. Big Poppy, yeah. Big yeah. Pa- did I say Big Papa? Yeah, Big Poppy. David Ortiz. Although David was not that good a player when he was here. He, he, that was pointed out to us a couple of days ago. But as soon as he hit... Uh, it's, 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 the, it's the water. It's the dirty water in Boston. It's the dirty water in Boston. So here's my question that nobody from Boston's ever been able to answer for me. Oh, I'll try. Is we've, we've already talked about you know, Charleston, and we talked about South, Southeast. South we, and, yeah. yeah, we've talked about all that. How is it that Whitey Bulger got to set up shop in North Boston, and the Italians let him get away with it? Well, it's you know what? I just read a book called Citizen, uh, Citizens of Somerville, I think it's called. Okay. Um, uh, and first of all, they didn't. You got to think of when this was. This was this was the seventies. So there's a couple things going on. A, they didn't want a war. They had just come out of a whole. Um, there had been a big war in Boston, a big mob war, and everybody was exhausted from it, and they didn't want the attrition. And B, the here's here's what's really interesting. And I'm, I'm trying to channel. I'm trying to remember it precisely. I'm going to say it imprecisely, and then everybody can write letters. Um, if anybody writes letters anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, true. Yeah. Uh, Catholic Church um, w- would not allow a war, A. B, Whitey Bulger's lookout. He he worked out of a gas station, out of an auto repair place. Auto repair, yeah. Yeah, and um, his lookout was the priest's um, mother. And the priest, she, really? Yeah, she was on the third floor of whatever building, and any time the wrong car drove down the road, they had their own private phone line. They actually <laughs> dug up the road, installed, this before, you know, cellular, installed their own phone line from from the um, uh, Buddy Bulger's car repair place to the uh, apartment house, the tenement's house, uh, much like one I grew up in, a triple-decker they're called, uh-huh. a- across the way. And uh, she was the lookout. And yes. nobody was going to mess with them. That's just magnificent. Isn't it incredible? Yeah. It's just, it is. It's absolutely incredible. But And the other thing that I love about Boston, great comedy, a lot of great comics from Boston, and also tremendous writers from Boston. Well, uh, yeah, you know, one of one of a guy from my neighborhood who's a good friend of mine is Dennis Lehane. I love Dennis Lehane. Yeah. Started, I, I just talked to Dennis Lehane about oh, three or four months ago, and he said something. And Clyde, you'll probably like this as well. I said, Dennis, I got to believe you're a big shot. Uh, you know, you, all your your books are being turned into movies now. Gone mm-hmm. Baby Gone and Mystic River, and you get on and the ben list. Netflix doing uh, Given Day. Yep. Given Day. Yep. So I said, you just must be. Everybody just must love you in, in, in Hollywood. And he said, no. If you want to go to Hollywood and get absolutely no action at all, just tell them that, that you're either the writer or the producer because they don't give a rat's ass about any of that. Well, that's true. Right? Writers in Hollywood are basically – it goes all the way back to the 20s and 30s. We're schmucks with typewriters. Right. Right. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dennis, Dennis blurbed my first book. I remember one time um, – when my first book came out, 
and my brilliant publicist set me up for a book signing across the street from the government center at a, if you remember Walden's Books, at a Walden's sure. bookshop. And Dennis came to hang with me, and it happened to, so it was a government center, right? It happened to be a government holiday, and the building was closed. <laughs> That's a nice touch. So, so nobody came. <laughs> I sat there for an hour, Aww. nobody came, and then he and I went and played pool. <laughs> So Dennis, uh, yeah, I've only spoken to Dennis once. I've been a fan of his for years and years. Like I said, all the way back to what Sacred, I guess, was the first book, wasn't it? Yeah, the first uh, Pat and uh, Angie book. Yeah, Pat and Angie book. God, yeah. I, I just love it. Absolutely wonderful stuff. And but. then Chuck Hogan is from there. I mean, uh, is from Boston. You know, he, he wrote The Town. What, what yep. became The Town? I forgot the name of the book uh, that that Ben Affleck mm. adapted, um, but it became the movie The Town. And it was it was actually kind of different than the, than the movie, although I love that movie. Oh, yeah, it is. And you know what? I agree with you. That's a very, very good movie. Yeah. Robert B. Parker. Yep. Can't forget about Robert B. Parker. Now, he died the same week as J.D. Salinger, but there was no three-beat there. Yeah, well, not that, that we know of. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. Maybe he was an author that... Well, here, here's the thing. Is, is Nobody's talking about the cause of death of Tom Clancy. Well, he's 66, and he did like to hit it pretty hard, didn't he? Did he? But, but, not, but you know, usually in, you kind of know what it is, and, and if you Google it, you, you can't find it. And it's re, in the New York Times obituary, they did a big obituary. I'm in New York right now. They did a big obituary, and there's no cause of death. It's kind of kind of strange. It makes you wonder. One uh, ob- obit said, glug, glug. <laughs> huh. Yeah, you're right. It just says he had a brief illness. A brief yeah. illness. He's only 66 years old. That's, that's nothing. No, I yeah. absolutely. It's not, that's exactly right. Yeah, McLeod, I got to tell you, and I do like Bostonians. I really do. But you're like the happiest, most peppy Bostonian I've ever spoken to. <laughs> Why is I'm, that? I'm, I'm like the, the world's only non-miserable Jew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's that's a series fabulous. right there. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to call Fox as soon as we're done. <laughs> <laughs> the world's only non-miserable Jew. Starring uh, the Larry David doppelganger. Yeah, you can just go piss off all the other Jews. Uh, oh, God. Speaking <laughs> of Larry David, uh, are you a big Larry David fan? Fine. Um, he makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah, well, that, he makes everybody nervous. That's what he does. Squinchy. I have a house on Martha's Vineyard, and I see him all the time. And, and oh, yeah. And uh, I, I just I get all squinchy. You know that one you... When you get the, like a little fist in your gut, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he, look, he's brilliant. But we, we were yes. talking about the comics in Boston too. Yeah, I have one of one of the great comics. Uh, um, you know, Dennis Leary, Stephen sure. Wright, Colin sure. Quinn. Um, Fabulous. There was a great documentary about the Boston comics. I forgot what it was called, um, uh, which anybody can find, and it's just hilarious. And it goes all the way back to. Um, Stephen Wright was the first one of those guys to break out, and he he was the first guy to go on Carson. You know what's really kind of sad is I don't remember what it was, but many years ago, and if people, I would assume that most people know who Stephen Wright is, but for mm-hmm. some, for people who might not know who he is, his entire career, right. he's talked <laughs> like this, and then he just doesn't. I went into a store, and the front of the store it said, open 24, 24 hours, hours, but it was closed, and I said, how can you be closed? And they said, well... Not in a row. Not in a row. Or, <laughs> or um, uh, what is it? They say it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of width. So I, 
<laughs> I I interviewed Stephen many years ago, and he's just very deadpan. And I wish I remember what I said to him, but he started laughing uproariously. Oh, and that's it, cool. It was weird. Yeah, I've never seen any emotion in him. No. Right. I, I, I've got it's 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 on disc somewhere. It's digital now, I guess. But yeah, he starts laughing, and I can't remember why he was <laughs> laughing. But he just uh, what a great great comic he is. Mm-hmm. He's just a brilliant. Really brilliant guy. Lenny, I mean, you go through, yeah, you just went through pretty much the guys, but it's just. Oh, Lenny, uh, Lenny uh, Clark. Lenny Clark is fabulous. Yeah. He was on uh, Dennis Leary's show. Of course, he lost like 110 pounds or something. He was on, on Rescue Me. And, and on Rescue Me, of, right. One of, one of the actors that I have on Nurse Jackie is, was also on Rescue Me, a guy named Adam Ferrara, who is also a comic. Adam Ferrara is a great guy. I the love the guy. I was just with him a half an hour ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he's on, I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the uh, studio right now. And so I was just downstairs on stage and uh, was just hanging with him. Well, he was up here. He was up here. Yeah, I play guitar and he plays guitar. He was up in my office yesterday and we played for like forty minutes um, because you can't get rid of him. It's part of the thing too, you know. You know what's interesting, Clyde, is I would say, uh, and if you see Adam again today, please pass along that I said he, he's a great interview. But he, like you, I mean, first of all, in my job, I've been doing this now for 42 years i've been interviewing people on the radio and you know and and, on digital now and this whole deal but 42 years of doing interviews and for a guy like me a guy like you is like a godsend because you get it i mean you thank you well you do i mean you're very entertaining you're in a great mood you're a non-miserable jew (laughs) which is a very very big part when my agent's on the phone we just sold that show (laughs) (laughs) hey you know i'll watch hey you're welcome (laughs) <laughs> but Adam is the same way. You get Adam on, and he's just a great interview because he's, he, you know, some of these people's like, oh, I got to come on and sell a book, or I got to come on and sell a TV show, and I got to, I don't really want to do this, and it's like, and, 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 and. but I suppose, uh, do you do radio tours, Clyde? No, I have. I, do, I have done um, several radio interviews, but always, but never at the station. Okay, the, the, that's what you're asking. Yeah, I, yeah. I got to believe in defense of people who are not really that great at being interviewed, that after being interviewed by eight or ten radio disc jockeys in a row, you'd want to fucking kill someone. Sure. Sure. I, I did that with... <laughs> I did that with... Uh, on my first book, my, here's where my book tour took me in one day. Good Morning San Francisco, um, lunchtime show in a TV show. These are all TV shows. Mm-hmm. A lunchtime TV show in Portland, the dinner show in... Um, Seattle, and, you know, Good Night Seattle, whatever it was called, right? And then a midnight show in Denver, all in one day. Oh my God! I didn't want to kill the host; I wanted to kill myself. It was, <laughs> it was brutal. It was. I was by the end of the thing, I was just babbling, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I again, as, as I said earlier, um, I'm so grateful to be able to do this. To, to say when people say, "What do you do for a living?" and I say. I get to say I'm a writer and mean it. You know, as a lot of people say, they're writers. And right. what have you written? Well, I, I write poetry and I'm working on this, on this haiku for the past seven years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I get to say it and mean it and have a conversation about it. Shit. I mean, who doesn't love that? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I've got a question. How often during interviews do people bring up Parker Lewis can't lose? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, not very often. I guess, really? I just, I just did a Reddit, if you know what that is, Reddit yeah. AMA, uh-huh. uh, and I had 1,150 questions, and one, there was only one question about Parker. That's a shame. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really proud of that, i got to tell you. That, 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 that was such a blast. It was a big toy box of a show for Yeah. Him. Who was the star again? 
Corin Nemec, Corky Nemec. Corky Nemec. Yeah, who then changed the name to Corin Nemec as he matured. <laughs> yes. And then left the business. No, I understand. And he became Corison. Because of right. <laughs> yes. What are you doing? Um, Catherine's showing me something. What were you showing me? His new book. Oh. Newest book. Well, I just want to go. I want to go down the entire list with, you know, Nurse Jackie and Dex. Why don't we start as long as you want? So you, you know, go ahead. Well, I'm not getting rid of you ever. Forget it. <laughs> we do the third hour of of the digital show is simulcast on on radio, and it's a sports show. So if I keep you around, it's going to be like, oh God, Red Sox. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know. By the way, Clyde, because this is digital, let me just say. Uh, the Red Sox, Patriots, fuck you. Celtics. <laughs> hey, well, no, I'm hey serious. Well, Every- we, had, we had one year when we could have taken all four major sports, and that, that was the, the year right, the yes. Patriots lost in the Super Bowl. And, yep. oh, man. Well, it's just a wonderful, wonderful sports town. And I do love, uh, this is Spinal Tap. The guy says, oh, don't worry about the cancellation. Boston's not a big college town. <laughs> I love that line. It's, it's a wonderful so line. There are no college. It's not a big college town. Right. Don't worry about it. That is about. so funny. But, I mean, when you talk about uh, a lot of places, I mean, Minneapolis uh, Minneapolis, and St. Paul here in Minnesota, we have you know, all, all four major teams, and we got the university here and all the rest of it. But a lot of markets, like, say, you know, like, what, Charlotte, they got – basketball and football i suppose it might have minor league baseball maybe i don't, I don't know but but there are towns boston i think for entertainment is every bit as good as new york city and as, when sports kick in better mm-hmm. you, you know you're, you're speaking to my dreams I, I, go, <laughs> I, I go back as often as i can my family you know I, I come from a very big family i got 30 cousins oh i did when everybody was still alive you know 30 cousins and i go back all the time, I, I, and, and also because of you know I, I live part part time on part of the year on Martha's Vineyard, so a lot of my oh, friends God. that I've met in my as Norm Crosby used to say in my adultery in my adultery <laughs> from my childhood to my adultery, um, Norm Crosby, another Boston comic um, with hearing aids. Yes. Okay. Let me tell you. Oh, so you do know what it looks like? Let me tell you. Oh yeah. Okay. So let me tell you. I was in L.A. Uh, two years ago, I was presenting an award to, to an executive at Showtime. She'd asked me to go up and give the speech. And, and Norm Crosley was there giving, uh, doing a routine at, at the, you know, for the evening. And I'm sure they gave him a paper bag with money in it, and he left, right? So I'm back in the green room, and my father went to high school with Norm Crosby. Norm Crosby was the drum major in my, in my, father's, at my father's high school. So I go up to Norm Crosby, and he's got his hearing aids, which are bigger than his ears. Yes. Um, and, and he's standing in you know, a 100-year-old tuxedo, um, and I go up to him, and I said, Mr. Crosby, and I, and I, I lean in because he can't hear me, and um, I wanted to say, hey, you went to high school with my father. And I lean in, so he leans forward and kisses me. Oh. Because <laughs> he just thought that's what I wanted. That's what, you know, he thought I was some Goomba friend of his. You, know? you wanted a kiss? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, kiss me in the cheek. You know, I'm looking carried away. But, and then, later in the evening, I look up, you know, after I give my speech, I look, I'm sitting back at my table, and on the back riser of the back part of the room, there's this 85-year-old man sitting there at a table, um, eating his mashed potatoes, waiting for his driver to come, who did, and then took him by the elbow and led him out of the room. You know, it's like it's like uh, the Joan Rivers documentary. You know? <laughs> yes. they, just, they can't keep they can't stop working. You know, you know, you. I was just looking at your 
Well, you have an everything augury. You've got films and <laughs> books and yeah. TV shows, and mm-hmm. uh, you, so suddenly, Susan, was that your first first real big hit? No, Park, Parker Lewis was the first big. But Parker, Lewis, yes, that, that's right. That's right. That, that was nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety, I think. Uh, in fact, in, in the pilot, it was nineteen. Yeah, because we did in the pilot, they were having a dance called "Remember the Eighties." Um, so yeah, so that was that was the first thing, and I had done a lot of TV movies before that. I don't even know if that's up in front of you, but back in the days it of is, the TV yeah. movies, I had done several of those. Um, uh, Charles and Diana, and all this, you know, kind of cool stuff. Back in the days when there were like 20 of them on a week. You know, every network, you, if you sneezed in front of CBS, you'd walk out with a, a script deal. Um, so I did that, then Parker, then Parker Lewis. I'd, I'd done a, a cop show before that called Houston Nights, but Parker Lewis was my, my first one that I created. Do you, did you come up with David Strickland's character's name? Uh, no. That's hilarious. I mean, that is, do, do people get the joke, or do they not? You know, I don't know. Nobody ever talks about that because, you know, the, the tragedy of it. Yeah. You know, yeah, nobody talks about it. It's a good question, though. God, I just well, see, that's the one thing, Clyde. I was thinking again, and this is no, this is not a comment about me at all. It's a comment about guests. It's so nice to talk to someone, and after about five minutes, you just go, "This guy's not a total dope. This is going to be wonderful." <laughs> well, that, that, when um, I wish I could say the same. When I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Clyde. You're welcome. No, when I, it's interesting when Adam Ferrara comes by the office. Because, you know, he's a mature man, and he's been through a lot, and we just talked all these great old stories. I mean, they could talk to him forever. That's the fun thing about that. And so, so I like talking to I like talking to grown-ups, you know? Yeah, well, that's that's a better way to yeah. put it, I guess. You know, again, I don't want to spend too much time on uh, on it, but your your cast, Judd Nelson was in it, and very uh, Kathy Griffin was in it. One of the... This guy, I think, is highly underrated. Nestor Carbonell. Oh, yeah. Well, he went on to do Lost. Right. Um, and, and it's interesting because a good friend of mine, have you ever interviewed Damon Lindelof? No. Oh, he's great. And, and uh, he created Lost with Carlton Cuse. And um, my daughter was a huge Lost fan. And um, we were not, Dexter, when I was doing Dexter, we were nominated for, the, for an Emmy. And Damon's a good friend of mine, and they were up for it. And he took my daughter from me at the Emmys and brought her to the cast of Lost. And she got her picture taken with everybody. And then Nestor comes over to me and gives me a big hug, thanking me for helping start his career. My daughter was just like on the floor. That, I, that uh, right. this, to her, this huge star was, was coming over. Um, anyway. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move past suddenly, Susan. Although, no, we will. Um, yes. Although she, Brooke met Chris Henchy, her husband, on the show, so I'm I'm guilty for that too. So that's your fault as well. When we were doing the pilot, she was married to Andre Agassi. Hey, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, now um, I do want to talk about all your your TV show. Well, not all the TV shows. I won't do that. But we'll talk about you know. Um, Dexter, I want to talk about Nurse sure. Jackie, but I, but I want to ask your opinion first on something, and you can be totally honest and tell me it's none of my business or whatever. Okay. Have you watched the new sitcoms for 2013? I've watched several of them, and there is not one that I find even moderately interesting. Yeah. Horrible, what everyone yeah. says. Oh, I, I, I watched the Michael J. Fox show the other night. Oh. I couldn't get through it. Uh. No. I mean, it, it's a squandered opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. And a former writing assistant of mine wrote it. Oh. Um, and several of my writing assistants have gone on to fame, but we're not going to talk about them. Um, <laughs> you don't want to hear about that. They did create okay. several shows, and it's you know it's a good gig working for me. Um, but but you know I, I don't know what NBC's got to do because it's a series commitment. You know they've committed oh. to a full series with this. You know it's not you know the usual 
pick up the 13, then pick up the back nine if it's a success. Mm-hmm. They picked up the whole year to get him to go there. Now, dads, and, did you and, see dads? Uh, <laughs> now hopefully, it'll, hopefully it's going to going through some growing pains and it'll re, retool. Bob Greenblatt, who's the chairman of NBC, who was the president of Showtime when I was doing Dexter, is a genius. And, you know, I, I hope they will fix it. I hope they find what, figure out what's wrong with it and then fix it. And it's got to be relatable. I mean, I got to say that uh, in a, that broadcast network comedy, to me, and, and you know what? Millions and millions of people love these shows. I can't watch them. I get no smiles no. out of How I Met Your Mother or Big Bang Theory or any of them. None of them at all. I mean, I watch Veep on HBO, and it's hilarious. Yeah, see, nobody it's likes smart. that. I know, and it's smart. And, and um, you know, I think our show with Nurse Jackie is great. Yes. Nurse um, Jackie's great. But, but I can't watch those those shows, uh, you know, I watched New Girl a little bit at the beginning, but it kind of became the same thing week after week. And yeah, couldn't agree more. It was great at the beginning. Well, I, I wouldn't say great, but it was very funny at the beginning, and now it's just boring. You get tired of the adorkability. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I will say this, that my great-great-great-grandmother was a, a Jewish woman from, from Germany who I think was kicked out of the country and had to move to the United States. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the... That's as close as I get to being a Lonsman. <laughs> a Lonsman, that's right. <laughs> right? Okay, so... The record shall so reflect. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but I have to tell you, watch the Gold, Goldbergs. Yes. I became a depressed Jew. <laughs> oh, oh my God, it's horrible. <laughs> Is that the one with George Siegel and... Uh, yes. Uh, and, and Garland, uh, Jeff Garland? And see, here's the problem I have, Clyde, is I like the cast... I love George Siegel. I think Jeff Garland's hilarious on that show. On the show, Dads, Giovanni Ribisi and Seth Green and Martin Mull and Peter Riegert. I think that show is horrible. Mm, mm. I, what is that? Why? Well, it's, it's not. It's, it's not the cast. You know, it's not the casting. No. It's the writing. No, it is. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's, that's all it is. I mean, look at All in the Family, the most brilliant television show, mm-hmm. certainly the most brilliant comedy you could imagine. Yes, it's, and it's. Two people sitting in, at a table mm-hmm. or, or, or in, a, in a barca lounge or on a couch for the whole show, mm-hmm. and nobody nobody knew Carol O'Connor, nobody knew um, Marine Staple, not Gene Stapleton. Gene Stapleton, thank you. Um, and Norman Lear wrote this brilliant set piece of a play that was hilarious and dangerous and edgy um, and provocative, um, and people people tried it and stayed. It tasted good. They wanted to they wanted to be part of it. Yeah. Shall we address our caller? We have a caller. Oh, yes. Clyde, you want to take calls? You bet. I think you'd be great with calls. Uh, we, we should just, just very quickly, I should kind of re-reference the fact that Clyde Phillips, uh, big shot behind. I'm just going to call you a mocker. Okay. Uh, Dexter, Nurse Jackie, how's that for a beginning right there? How about We'll just start the conversation with those two shows. Rather good shows, I would say. And, and let me say before you take this call, I do think that drama on television is much better than uh, at the movies. I have, I have a big theory about that. We can talk about it. Oh. We can go to the call, whatever you, whatever you like. I would, we'll go to the call, and then I'd love to hear your, your take on that. That'd be okay. great. Who do we have, Andy? Apparently you know him as Crazy K, Clyde. Hi, Crazy K. Hey, Clyde. How you doing? Okay, how are you? Oh, my God. You know Crazy K? Well, do we know each other from Reddit? Yes. Yes, how are you? Oh, my God. Mm. No, again, I told you I did this, this AMA on, on Reddit. <laughs> right, that's right. Crazy, Crazy K really came up with great stuff. <laughs> yeah, Crazy I K, I will say this. 
asks the best questions on this show, Clyde. He does. He does well, his research. Oh, man. Great, great questions. That's a lot of research. All right. You better not fall apart on me, Crazy K. <laughs> All right, Tommy. You ever need a... <laughs> Okay, you go ahead. need a writing assistant or researcher, Clyde, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Right. So, uh, let, um, you said you are going to have uh, your books made into movies. What actress are you thinking you want to play the lead part? Of that's, Jane that's a great, yeah, uh, for Jane Candiotti, named after my wife, whose name is Jane Lancelotti. I'm married in Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Yeah, I think Sandra Bullock would be perfect. Oh, God. You know, but here, here, here's the thing that happens with that. I don't know if you know who Lee Child is. Sure. Um, he's a top mystery writer. He's a good friend of mine. In fact, he just did a question and answer with me for our um, mutual um, Amazon pages. Great writer. And so uh, he, he, he has his new book out called, I have it on my desk right here, Never Go Back. And so I went to his book party at Barnes & Noble, and there were, you know, I, if I do a book party, I get... You know, sixty people that I make come. You know, uh, he had a thousand people. They were watching him on monitors, and right. it, it, this will have a point. So somebody asked him about the Jack Reacher movie that was made, <laughs> oh. um, and regardless of how good or not good it was, the, the thing is that once a star gets a hold of it, it becomes another project. Yes. It, it, it's not what you imagined it to be. Um, when Ben Affleck got a hold of Chuck Hogan's uh, book that became The Town, it didn't resemble the. Um, the major thing in the town was that the the John Hamm character and the Ben Affleck character both loved the in the book both loved Claire um, the bank teller and in the in the movie they just completely got rid of that half of the story mm-hmm. so once you basically um, agree to do a movie you know and somebody else is paying is spending a hundred million dollars on your movie um, it it goes in ways you couldn't possibly have imagined. And that's why books rarely resemble their adaptations. Crazy that was kid. A good answer. What did you die? What happened? I'm here. That was he, a good you know, answer. I, I'll tell you this, Clyde. He's he, waiting for me to take a breath. <laughs> okay, okay. Crazy. Mike, he just uh, got disconnected. He got disconnected. Yep. Well, he'll call back. Uh, Clyde, I'll tell you this: don't worry about Crazy K because he will call back. I mean, yeah, he, he was great on the Reddit. He he re- re- asked really smart questions. Very very bright kid. He's only yeah. twenty four years old. Yeah, he, I hate him. He, I have a chicken in my freezer older than him. <laughs> <laughs> he actually uh, requested for you to be on the show. Oh, Clyde did. I mean, uh, 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 Crazy K did. Yes, Mike from Blaine. Uh, Clyde, I, I do have to. I, I do have to. Uh, ask something of you. I want you to become my booking agent for authors. You know everybody. Yeah, this guy's yeah. got time. You know everybody, honest to God. It, well, you know, you know, well, particularly in, in the, the mystery writing world, you know, because we have, we, we have these conventions. There's a thing called BoucherCon, and, and uh, it was just in Albany two weeks ago uh, at this, and, and you get to hang out with these guys. It's, you know, I'm so, again, lucky to be able to do this, and to, to hang with these guys, to do a quick Red Sox thing, just because everything's about the Red Sox. Yes, a couple of years ago, um, maybe eight or ten years ago, I was at Belchicon, and it's in a different city every year, so I was in Las Vegas, and I'm hanging with Connolly and Lahane and um, Harlan Coleman and Craig, and all these, all these right. you know, I was the smallest name in the room, and we're watching the Red Sox, uh, and there, were, there was a year that they were playing the Yankees um, in the playoffs, in the year that Grady Little left Mariano Rivera, not Mariano, Pedro Martinez in, you know, one batter too long. Oh, yeah. So we're watching it. We're, we're up uh, six four, and my wife calls and says, "Oh, congratulations, honey! You're going to win!" Oh. oh, my God! And then Posada hits a blue no. double, and 
We were in the shitter. Uh, <laughs> we understand being the in the, the shitter. The point is, I, got to, I get to hang out with these guys, you know, and call them my friends, and I'm, I'm lucky for that. Well, like I said, I'm, I'll send you a check every month. You can book <laughs> authors for me. Because really good authors, well, first of all, first of all, digital is at a point now where people are like, everyone has a podcast. So if yeah. you do actually have a digital radio show, I don't even, we don't even call it a podcast because it's not a podcast. Mm. We're sitting in a studio here. With actual, we don't have just a, like a little thing sitting on a table that everybody's talking into. Um, I've been in radio for 43 years, something like that, doing interviews. But, yeah, so I mean, it's very difficult to book authors that you want to have on because you go, well, I don't know, it's a digital thing. And yeah, I know what you mean, sure. But actually, if you rated, and we just started this afternoon show 4 to 7, and we're already, if, if we were in the Arbitron ratings, it would be the number three afternoon show in the, in the market already. Congratulations. So thank you. thank you. Thank you. But but yeah, I just uh, th- that's a word I have to get out there. So it was it's interesting why you agreed to do the the interview. I think it's wonderful. Oh, I only did it because I'm desperate. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, I'm that's what we at, were hoping. I'm looking at uh, at your history here. You're not too desperate. No, I'm not too desperate. No, no. Mike's I mean, back, by the way. Okay, Crazy K's back. Crazy K. Cra- can I just call you Mike? Mike. Yeah, by the way, Mike his real from- name is Mike. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Mike. That's fine. Just call me Mike from Blaine. Mike, whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay. How about, how about douchey? Can we call you that? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, go ahead. Prefer? <laughs> Back to Mike and Clyde. Hey, Mike. All right. So, uh, and I watched, like, uh, season five of Nurse Jackie. I, you, said, there... you said that on Reddit. I remember you said that. Yeah, I said that. Sorry that you remember that, but that's good for me, I guess. <laughs> How long are you going to be doing the Reddit? By the way, uh, I, I, you know, I can't. I it's interesting. It's been like I was up for two and a half weeks or something. I, I'll I'll do it forever. I just keep checking in on it, and when there's a new question, I answer it. And now, when you scroll down, or when I scroll down, I obviously missed some replies. You know, um, so but I'll just keep doing it. It's my new little hobby. Instead of just surfing, is surfing. The web, I just go to Reddit and see if there's new questions, and I answer them. How do you remember all those? Po- you said there were like 1,500? Uh, 1,200, yeah. 1,200. Yeah. Well, well, because Crazy K was asked really um, smart questions, and, and you could tell that uh, more than a fan, he's a thinker. And, and is, that, was, yeah. that was really great. And so I, rem- I perfectly remember him. I will tell you this, Clyde, that uh, Mike, this is how we know Mike from Blaine, Blaine, Minnesota. Uh, I made a... Uh, apparently, it was a kind of a vague reference to most people, comparing uh, Mike to the child of B.F. Skinner, because he lives his entire. Oh, he lives in a box. Yeah, the air crib. Absolutely, yes, it's the air crib. He, he just never leaves. He never leaves the air crib. Right. That's oh why. My God, how did I get that reference? I know that's amazing. I think you're the only person that did. Right, by the way. Right. Uh, no, Don Shelby got the reference too. He okay. Did. Anyway, back to Mike from Blaine. You have another question, Crazy K. All right, um, so, like, because uh, I was watching season five, and for some reason, I want to hear it, Mara Weber say trout. Is there any way you could get that in a script? Huh, let me think. We, we're, we're pretty early in the season of season six, and maybe I could work that in. Maybe, like, they're at dinner or something. I'll tell you what, if, if it's in there, yeah, you'll watch season six next year, and if it's in there, it's because of you. Oh, I'll definitely watch it anyway. Yeah. It was great. She won an Emmy two weeks ago, too. It was really cool. I know. I heard about that. That was a big, yeah. big deal. Well, it was a huge deal. It was the, first, it, it was the first Emmy of, of, the, of the award night that night, which is just to show you how interesting my life can be, was opposite 
the finale of the, the season, the series finale of Dexter. So I'm, I'm clicking back and forth. And anyway, so Merritt wins, and she gets up on stage, and nobody expected her to win. We didn't, she didn't, nobody did. And she wins, and she gets up on stage, and she says, thank you so much, thank you so much, i got to go, bye. <laughs> Turned around and left. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. She was so nervous and so, just had nothing prepared and, and left. And, and then, you know, then we started shooting uh, Nurse Jackie that Tuesday after, the 24th of September. I had, you know, had a big celebration for her, and it was, it was wonderful. So if I get the word trout into the show next, this year, it, uh, it'll be because of you. You hear that, Eric? That's good stuff. Oh, would you settle down, my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Clyde Phillips fan. What can I say? Well, you're... Wow. As I said, Mike, you do your research. No matter who... Clyde, this is true. No matter who, who our guest is, uh, Crazy K or Mike from Blaine, you know, I, he yeah, does his research and he asks very good... All of our guests are very impressed with his questions. All of yeah, them. And again, I've... I've so, so I remember him standing out on on the Reddit thing. It was really cool. I actually met him in person once, and it's just uh, I'm scarred for life. Yeah, I know you'll never get over it. Let's <laughs> <Dang. laughs> well, do him laughing in the background. <laughs> that's his high laugh. <laughs> but was very impressive as Mike bought a new shirt. Oh I was, my! Did I was he, very impressed with that. Did he buy it because he was meeting you? No, he was meeting who was because he, he needed to have two shirts in his life, right? <laughs> yes, he was meeting Andy Kindler. Oh my! Isn't that right, Mike? Yep, that's right. I met Andy Kindler. Well, later my mom said that she thought you would be there too, but she decided not to tell me beforehand that she thought that. Yeah, because you were with your mother. I do remember that you were with your mother, and I was with Fitz, uh, who, by the way, Clyde is about six six, about three forty. So whenever he's around, everyone's really nice to me. Right, I bet. Yeah, right. <laughs> they are indeed. But, uh, yeah, Mike, any other questions? Cause, I mean, you always ask good questions, so if you have any other questions, go ahead. Fire away. I got a, a, a lot more stuff, but we'll just start with um, the Ricky Gervais thing, the afterlife yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty interesting. So what what, what uh, Mike is referring to is I'm writing a pilot with Ricky Gervais called Afterlife, uh, and we're writing it for NBC. Um, you know, just As my good friend George Clooney once told me, don't drop names. Um, oh, you're unbelievable! I, what, what can I tell you? I know the guy. You know, so we, we're writing we're writing this pilot together, and I don't if you if you follow Ricky at all, he is a big atheist. I mean, he's a very right. vocal huge. atheist. Yes, huge. you give him the, the you give him the microphone. That's what he's going to talk about, like Christopher Hitchens, but, but, but without the anger. Right. And so we're writing this pilot called Afterlife about an atheist, a very vocal atheist, um, who dies and goes to heaven and meets God. <laughs> So that's kind of, see, that'd be wonderful. First of all, the thing that's great about Ricky, but also sad about Ricky, is uh, his series only run a couple. And, you know, The Office, The American Office is a different story, of course, but mm-hmm. but Life's Too Short was too short. It just e- fantastic. E- extras. Extras. Uh, extras was great. Excellent. Extras was amazing. It yes. was. It Derek, which is on, on Netflix right now. Yep. The, the one, one season. What has he got? Eight episodes? Is it, Six. Only six. Well, it, it, it depends on it depends on where it is. Um, I think the office was eight, and I think Derek was six. But extras went a couple of years, so I think there were like twenty of them. Brilliant, brilliant show. But yeah. life's too short. I thought. Uh, did you? No, Mike. Did yeah. you watch that series? 
Yeah, with Warwick, uh, what's his name? Warwick Dunn, I think his last name is. Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis, yeah. thank you. Warwick Davis, yeah. Uh, when he built the stairs so he could walk upstairs to look through the people, it was oh, fabulous. Look the people, right? Because the people, die. when he lowered it to his own height, he would only look at men's crotches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was waiting for that woman to come over. That's right. Cat, what's her name? She's a Cat Denning. Yeah. Cat uh, Denning. Brilliant. Bril- brilliant stuff. Uh, yeah, so Afterlife, where are we at that, uh, at this point with Afterlife? Well, um, I am doing the rewrite. I'm turning it into my studio this week, actually. Uh, just, I just have to do a little bit of a polish, uh, turning, it, turning it in, and then it will go to NBC. We'll get their draft of it, and then we'll see what happens. God, it'd be fabulous. That sounds yeah, it's, wonderful. It's great. Oh, by the way, I'm saying it goes to heaven. Heaven is... A subway station in New York, and God is a guitar player, a busker. The, uh, <laughs> the busker. Yeah, so our guy, you know, our guy walks by this guy every day, puts a dollar in his in his um, in his guitar case, you know, um, as a donation, and then ends up dying, and then cannot believe that this guy that he's you know been walking by every day is actually God. <laughs> you know, I, uh, back in the day, I, I interviewed Ricky Gervais a couple of times, probably twenty years ago, something like that. Um, and now he doesn't do radio tours any longer. But I, I, I always wanted to ask him because he's such a bright guy. He's a very, very intelligent man. And maybe I could ask you the question, okay. and Mike as well. Is it, it, it seems to me that anyone who can tell you there is or is not a God on either side of that issue it seems a bit arrogant to me. Well, it's interesting. We talk about it in the script. We talk about how atheists are so smug. Right. Um, yeah, And I'm not quite sure where I... Where I fall on this. I mean, I'm not a, religious, I'm not a religious person, Me um, but I do feel spirituality. I do feel something when I walk into a cathedral in Rome or a museum in Rome. Um, and Ricky, Ricky was an altar boy. I mean, he, you know, he grew up in a pretty strict Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of conversations just sitting with him, which always end up, you know, um, First of all, he's got that great laugh. He does have so, a great laugh. So, so we'll be sitting in a hotel room, and he'll just be laughing and laughing and laughing, and you just get you know excited to keep moving forward. I, I think I would land, if I had to choose between the black and white and not cop out and say I'm an agnostic, um, I would say I'm more an atheist than, than a religious person. Yeah, because and you need proof, I understand. There, there is no proof. I mean, right. it, it, it's like a, it, it, one of the lines in the script is saying... Um, you know why are we giving a, a, word, a name to atheists? We don't have a, we don't have words for people who don't believe in Zeus anymore. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, and and you know, saying not having religion in your life is like saying that not going skiing is a hobby. You know. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. There's there, there's some really good arguments. And uh, there is no proof. I mean, it it in one sense. Um, it's complete and total hogwash. However, people can believe what they want, and however they're right. more spiritually, you know, whether it's in in the Lord, as whoever that Lord is, or in a sunset, or in love of your spouse or your child, um, or or the new David Bowie album, you know, whatever. whatever <laughs> now, Richard Jenny, unfortunately, no longer with us, but had, he had, I, I think, the best take on it is you can be I, 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 Richard, Richard Jenny, the stand-up comedian. Yes. Oh, yeah, Richard Jenny, yeah. Brilliant guy. He had the yeah. best take on it. He said, you can believe whatever you'd like to believe unless you want to kill me because you have a better mm-hmm. imaginary friend than I do. And yeah. you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as you don't make me want to believe it. 
Right, absolutely. And that, that, that's part of the whole thing. It's the dogmatic part of um, the, way, the way different churches work. Did you ever see the, the final interview with Jackie Gleason? Jackie Gleason was one of my personal hero. I just loved Jackie Gleason. I thought he was brilliant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But his final interview was with Mike Wallace on 60 Minutes. Did you ever see it? No, not that I recall. Classic Jackie Gleason, Mike Wallace, brilliant uh, interviewer himself, just a, a, a tremendous man. Another Martha, Martha's Vineyard guy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Clyde, we're sick of it. Like <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. I had lunch with him two years after he died. That's how well I know him. Well, thank you. Well, very good. Man, you do. Uh, so Mike Wallace asked Jackie Gleason. He talked to him about being an atheist. Again, mm-hmm. Another, another big-time Catholic became an atheist and all the rest of it. So he says to him, Jackie, what's going to happen when, you know, God forbid, anytime soon, but someday you're going to you're going to die. What happens if you die and there you are standing before God? And Jackie uh, took a sip of his drink with his mm-hmm. left hand, took a pull on his cigarette with his right, right hand, right. and he said, if I'm standing there before God, I'll just say the following. Sorry, Pally, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very, it's so funny, I, I must have channeled it because I have a very similar line in the script. Really? Yeah, I mean, he, when he realized, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through the script right now, but I don't know if I'm going to find it in, in time. Um, so in we, time for what? Oh, We're in no rush here. Oh, okay, okay, so, so now he realizes that he's standing there with, um, with God, and David says to himself, oh man, now, David is the atheist, oh man, not, and we're in the Astor Place subway station. Oh man, not only am I, and then God says, dead, and David says, yeah, dead, but I was, and then God says, wrong. <laughs> well, there you sorry, Pally. <laughs> David says, wrong, about, to God, about you, about everything. And then God says, God says, sucks, huh? And David says, but if you're God, what about, and God says, I know, I know, I know, Hitler, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not written by a Jew at all, by the way. No, no of course not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, as a Jew, I want to ask you a question about that. And it's kind of a coincidence. One thing I'm, I must say at this point is uh, one of the, the co-hosts of the show, Don Shelby, who is a very, very bright man. He's, doing, he's moderating a debate on the environment at the University of St. Thomas. And Catherine and I were talking. Catherine is, uh, is my wife. Our children are on the show. Um, but we were debating whether to have a co-host come in in Don's stead. And one thing I really like about doing digital radio, because it's so freeform, is that I just got very lucky that you happen to be, because you and I have never spoken before. That's right? true. I just got very lucky, and it's I think in digital you can do this, and on broadcast radio you can't, just having you show up. And talk about all these different things is one of the great coincidences of, of, of the digital format. It's just yeah, you're right. I agree. It's and, and, and I'm, I'm having a blast. Oh, I am we're too. Not the free form of this, you know, without and we're not you know working up to a commercial break or anything like that. We're just talking. I know, and it's just so you, you learn so much, and it's just fantastic. And then you know you have Mike from Blaine calling in, bringing up Afterlife, <laughs> and I, K. a crazy K, crazy right. which is which is also fantastic because we, you know, you learn all these things, and you could, by the way, if you want to, just edit it and say, instead of just I was wrong, say sorry, Pally, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I mean, you know, Mike is going to make me put the word trout in my Ricky Gervais script. Yes, right. You were we're re- rewriting everything you do, Clyde. I just want okay, okay. no matter what it is, we're yes. just going to rewrite it. Life is one big note. As a kid, oh, I, I, first of all, I wanted to ask you this question about um, in the country, in the in the on the continent, which uh, which it took place. Let's just say, okay, in Europe. Um, 
they've only made two films about the Holocaust in the entire history since, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the past 70 years almost, right? No, I guess it is 70 years now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There have been about, I think, 126 made in the United States. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is that American Jews, is it because, the, and first of all, I should, I should mention, by the way, Clyde, that I grew up in in uh, a, a, a Jewish, black, and Italian neighborhood, North Minneapolis. Well, you know, I grew up in the same kind of neighborhood of Jewish, black, and Irish in uh, oh, Rochester. Go. So you married an Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she said they're just like Jews with better cooking. <laughs> well, it is the bridge because I grew up Catholic myself, and we are the bridge between Jews and, and Protestants. There's no question about that. Yes. But but uh, so I did grow up around uh, um, uh, older Jews that actually still had the had the tattoos and all the rest. Of it. I remember that very very clearly. I have an uncle. I had an uncle who was who was in the camps. Is that because we're Americans? Did it have a greater impact on us? The fact that that in Europe they actually lived through that whole situation, whereas in America we're a generation removed, or now two generations right, removed. Right. Well, the, you know, it's interesting, and, and I, I I don't know if I if I have enough brain and bandwidth to really be an expert on this, but I, I do have a theory. Um, I think that, and I, I'm not sure if it was only two movies that were made in Europe, but let's go with that as a premise. Um, oh, thank you, Clyde. <laughs> I, I'm sure that there were... Well, two famous, two famous. I, guess. Um, I think there is a sense of cultural shame. Um, exactly. In Europe. Uh, that, that it, it kind of ties in a little bit with what you're saying, that we don't have. Um, it's the same thing in Japan. There's a cultural shame about... Um, the atrocities that they committed. In fact, the Japanese government, I think just a couple of years ago, finally apologized for Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is so deeply embedded, particularly in the northern part of Europe, and, and less so, um, we can make any kind of joke you want about it, in Italy. We, have to, you know, we can't forget that Italy was our enemy. I'm right. happy to be reading a Churchill book right now, so I'm up on this a little <laughs> bit. Um, and, you know, I, I was in Italy a couple of years ago with my wife and daughter, and we were in you know, Cinque Terre, you know, the five towns. Yep, One of those towns. towns is Spezia, and, which is a big tourist attraction. That was a submarine um, base uh, for the German and Italian U-boats that were sinking all these, you know, merchant, merchant ships and, and responsible for so much carnage. But you go to Italy now, you don't think about World War II. No. Um, and so somehow they avoided that shame. But, but Northern Europe, and they also they weren't, they weren't, as involved in the extermination of, or the attempted extermination right. of a people, right. um, but in in um, Germany and um, Austria and um, Romania, Czechoslovakia, whatever whatever it happens to be called this year, the Czech um, Republic. <laughs> thank you very much. Poland. And, uh, and, uh, there you go. Uh, there is deep deep shame. There was a great book about fifteen or twenty years ago called Hitler's Willing Executioners. It was a big book, mm-hmm. and uh, I, somebody can start Googling it right now. Um, and it was about the German population, the German civilians, um, who knew what was going on. I mean, you see these pictures of these people being taken from the trains to, you know, to Dachau, and they're walking down public streets with their hands over their heads and their suitcases dragging behind them, and they're carrying their children in their arms. And then you know, in Schindler's List, if you remember, there was a moment about, wait a minute, it's snowing in the middle of the day in the summer. Yeah. That, that wasn't snow, that was ashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, 
the you know the people in Europe knew, and I think generations and generations of shame. No, I have to tell you, Clyde. It, this is a great thing about talking to a man with a with a with a brain like yours. Um, have you have you seen the documentary, The Lottery of Birth? No. Watch it because you would love it. I'm writing it down right now. The Lottery of Birth. Raul Martinez. He's a Brit. Uh, actually, we had him on, and he got he got mad at me because he called <laughs> America imperialist. And I said, I'm sorry, but if, if we were an imperialist uh, in America, there would be no Canada. It would not even exist. Right. Right. Sure. Well, so we're not imperialists, and I don't like that when Europeans call America, the United States of America, an imperialist nation. No, the UK, absolutely. Britain yeah. was definitely imperialist. Yeah, was. Think? Yeah. was, yeah, but they're not powerful enough now to be imperialists any longer. Well, they're, they're pretty small. So, because there's a, there's a, he, there, it's a great movie, though. It's a great film, and I, I'm sorry that he got angry with me. I'll, I'll, I'll order it tonight. There are, there are three parts to it. The first part is out. second part's about to come out. But it talks about the fact that you know, the question is asked, and it doesn't really. I brought up Nazism to him. It's not part of the movie, but I said it's exactly what you're talking about. That if you're born into a certain religion with a certain eye color, with a certain skin color in a certain town, uh, your politics, your religion, is always correct, and everyone else is wrong. Right. Well, you know, the, the really crass way of, of, of calling it would be the lottery of births. It's also called the Lucky Sperm Club. Yes. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. But I think there's also a book I want to recommend to you. It's called The Nazi and the Psychiatrist. It's by Jack L. High. It's we e- have a copy. Uh, we, we have several copies. Uh, Jack L. High, it's spelled E-L hyphen H-A-I. Mm-hmm. Doug Kelly was a Goering psychiatrist in Nuremberg. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you'd love this book. <laughs> oh, man. Clyde, I'm telling you, you would love this book. It's a brilliant, brilliant piece of work, and I'm not giving anything away when I tell you that Doug Doug Kelly, the psychiatrist, killed himself because. Well, I don't want to tell you any more about the book. You got to read the book, uh, Jack L. High's "The Nazi and the Psychiatrist." Okay, See, and then no. the one you should read is "Citizens of London," which no is um, Americans in London before the Amer- before, uh, before uh, we went to war. So like like night before the America went to war. So thirty eight, thirty nine, forty. 41 and it's it's, inc- it's incredible it's so exciting and um and and intelligent you'll love it we have to uh now do you I, I, i'm just taking up so much of your time but we're finding about other books we're finding out about movies we're finding um and i don't want to hold you you know any not a minute longer than than you want to be but we do as i pointed out the third hour of the of the digital show that we do is simulcast on fm 105 here Minneapolis, St. Paul. Now, if you want to talk about the Red Sox, you want to stick around for maybe ten or fifteen more minutes. You're more than welcome to do that. But if you gotta go, you gotta go. Right. I do want. I want to at least be able to mention the title of my new book. I don't know if the, I don't know if that sports audience is going to give a shit about that. But your audience will. Wait. Yes, we have two more minutes before we go to the sports. So why don't we do this? Let's talk about your book. Okay. And then. If you want to stick around for for another, let's you know, ten or fifteen minutes and talk about the Red Sox, we can certainly do that too. Sure, I'll do it. You're at see now, wow. you know, I, <laughs> nice Clyde. I tell you what, this is terrible because I'm going to pester you constantly to come on because <laughs> you're one of those guys. That, the font of knowledge is just fabulous. I'll, I'll be one of your regulars. Please do, please. <laughs> you know, I, honestly, God, it's just you make these references, and I go, oh, I, I think about this, then I think about this, and then I think about this. It's because you know, we read. Well, you know, you know, have we lost that, by the way, as a as a culture? 
Um, I don't think so. I think what we've lost is the community of readers, and that's because of the elect- electronica. I mean, I read on a Kindle, and if I'm on a plane or it's, or uh, or uh, a subway or something, uh, and I'm reading a book, and you're next to me, you're across the aisle reading a book, I can't see what you're reading, and you can't see what I'm yeah, reading. Yeah, that's the very conversation true. Conversation goes away. That's very true. That'd be a cool idea, I think, a Kindle that displays the cover of the book on the back side. On the back of the guy on the letter. Yeah, it's a good idea. Why don't we do this? Clyde, if you can, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna we'll end this part of the show, and then we'll be right back with you in like two or three minutes. We will then, whether these guys want to do it or not, I don't really care. Uh, we're going to talk about your book, and then we're going to talk about the Red Sox. And then I want to introduce you quickly to another really, really good writer. His name is Jim Bruton, very, very okay. good writer. This guy might be fascinating to know was the warden at Oak Park Heights Supermax Federal Prison. Jesus. <laughs> well, a Jew saying Jesus. I like yeah, that. I know. Clyde, we have friends in common. These clips definitely flatten the curve of the weight for another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Brad Shine Bryant. Great clips this week. Dave Fulton and Clyde Phillips featuring Mike from Blaine. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. <laughs>